I tell you to be different and creative and think this way. A much used business cliche. Kayla. What is outside the box? You got it. We're flying high with the wings and talking all things lacrosse. You're now listening to the Outside the Box podcast right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. Welcome in to episode number 223 of the allegedly award-nominated, honorably mentioned, and of course now viewable on the YouTube Outside the Box podcast, part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast network. It's KB and DJ coming at you with the final show before the PLL season kicks off, but of course... We still have NLL Conference Finals to dive into. We got an NLL Finals matchup on the horizon. And this is going to be our big PLL preview show because it's the last show before DJ and I hit the road for the first time this summer. The boys are getting back together next week. Albany is on the horizon. Can't wait. It's going to be a blast seeing everybody on their way there today. Just had me that much more giddy for next week. Uh, as we get set to go to upstate New York and kick some Laxdad ass in Bino in the parking lots. Um, we're going to do our PLL predictions, and of course we're also going to talk about all the latest with the World Lacrosse ESPN news and the NCAA tournament. But before we get started, make sure you guys are following us on the socials. You can see it running down below on the little ticker below us. If you're watching on YouTube, which you should be, you should be subscribed on YouTube. Uh, it's at OTB Laxpod on Twitter and Instagram. Can we get to 1,400 followers on Twitter before Albany kicks off? We're 20 away. 20 away, guys. Let's get to 1,400 before Albany's opening faceoff uh, on Saturday, June 4th. Let's make that. That's super easy. Be a friend. Tell a friend. Just follow us on the Twitter machine at OTB Laxpod. Twitter, Instagram. The Instagram content's coming back this weekend, too. Don't wor- don't you worry. It's coming back. Um Follow DJ on Twitter at SCS underscore next. Great. Follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. You know, the more five-star ratings and reviews they get left on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, the more people find the show, the more, you know, family we add to OTB Nation. So go subscribe on the podcast feeds and subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. Click the like button, hit the bell icon so you don't miss a single episode. Every Friday, OTB goes up in your YouTube feed and we're 78 subscribers away from 200. Come on, that's easy. There's there's 1,380 of you that follow us on Twitter. 78 of you hit that subscribe button boom we're in business we're that much closer to dj and i taking this thing full time we'll be able to do otb full time we'll be able to do underground sports philadelphia full time we need the youtube subscriber help though so go subscribe on youtube just search underground sports philadelphia 
Big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. Deej, is there is there a, an update on the Tomahawk Shades order for you? Uh, as far as I know, they're still getting my order together. Still coming. I have a feeling you'll have it before Albany, though. That's my guess. They're they're probably just waiting. So you have a nice little present to pack with you before you before you head here. It better be. <laughs> It better be on my doorstep before I leave for work Thursday. Tomahawkshades.com. Get your sunnies, your blue light glasses, all that good stuff. Uh, when you go to checkout, use promo code USP for 25% off your order. That's tomahawkshades.com. Promo code USP for 25% off at checkout. Kenwood Beer. It's the, it's the summer of Kenny. Kenwoodbeer.com. Use the Kenny tracker to see who's got Kenwood beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. It's Philadelphia's number one light beer. All new and improved cans. Kenwoodbeer.com. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And Bino Board. Go to BinoBoard.com and use code BinoUSP for 10% off your order at BinoBoard.com. That's B-I-N-H-O-B-O-A-R-D.com and code B-I-N-H-O-U-S-P. For 10% off your order. That includes that limited edition ultraviolet board that DJ's been eyeing up for quite some time now. So go get that thing while you can because it will sell out just like the Team USA board did. Binoboard.com. Coach Deej, what is popping, my man? I am getting our end of the year banquet together, figuring out MVP, offensive MVP, defensive MVP. Uh, teammate award, you know, ground ball king, all that good stuff. Oh, I like that title, um, ground ball king. Yeah, yeah, that's that's Big one. Fan. I'm I'm interested on who I I don't know who to give that to. If I give that to him, then I have to give someone else my defensive MVP award. There's a lot of shifting I'm doing. I don't know if I want to give more than one guy. You know, I don't want to give a guy more than one award, even if he deserves it. So right. Doing all that. And so I'm pretty much hiatus from coaching for a very short amount of time. I start coaching again next week for summer ball. <laughs> I have figured out uh, the weekends I will not be uh, out and about. I will not be at. Let me pull it back up. Let's see. I know for sure I will not be a Long Island. Hashtag sad. Uh, yeah, I will not be at Long Island. I will not be at Charlotte. I know you're bummed about that one. I am. I was really excited to go to Charlotte just because I've been trying to go for the longest. I was ready to link up with uh, Harrison and get everything going with that drum squad and everything. Re- Charlotte's going to be awesome. If you're going... Mm-hmm. Just you're going to have an awesome time. I'm really upset I can't go. Um, I will also not be. Oh, there's no tar- there's no PLL that weekend. So not a big deal. And then I'll also miss. Um, what is this? All star. Yeah, all star. But you're good for Baltimore. I am good for Baltimore. Let's go. I'm going to Homewood. Let's go. That's what I. That's that's the big one. That's yeah. that's the granddaddy of them all. I'm really excited to go to Homewood. That's one that I've been eyeing for a while. I know. Let's it's go. Like a lacrosse mecca 
haven't even come close to being over there. So that's Homewood. That's that's Jimmy Seafood. Oh, let's go, mm. brother. Let's go, dude. How many how many OTB fans can we get with us at Jimmy Seafood? Come let's on, just, stop playing with us. <laughs> let's just have a big party, big family dinner. What 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 time are these games? Let's see. Let's pull up the old PLL app, which if you haven't downloaded that, you're doing your PLLing wrong. This app has been a lifesaver. We got 6.30 and 9.15 on June 24th and 6 p.m. and 8.45 p.m. on June 25th. Brothers, my brothers and sisters in lacrosse holiness. That afternoon on June 25th will be Jimmy Seafood Day. Let it be known. We will be there hanging out, doing the damn thing. We might just have to call Jimmy Seafood like next weekend and be like, hey, can we do a live pod? <laughs> can we do a live pod while we wait for, you know, PLL to kick off? Because, man, that that's an electric weekend, too. Baltimore weekend, Homewood. Whips Woods on ESPN two, Dogs Chaos on ESPN plus, Friday or yeah, that's a Friday night. Friday night lacks Friday night under the lights, and then Saturday night Chrome Cannons Atlas Archers. Come on, stop playing with us. I love that. Let's I go. That. I'm so excited. Let's for that. go. Excited to, excited to do the pod in, in underground studios. Next Hell week. yeah, that's gonna be awesome. We're going to a Phillies game. Dude, we're gonna I'm, see Otani and Mike Trout. I've already told everybody at work, y'all better get used to Fridays and me not being in the building because it's gonna be like that video. It's Friday night. Because <laughs> <laughs> summertime, I get out. I travel. Right. I travel. So that's that's the time to go. Oh, and I told them I was like my birthday weekend. I I don't know what y'all are gonna do, but I'm leaving like Wednesday night. Leaving, leaving. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Bye-bye. Be in Philly Wednesday night. <laughs> oh, my God. Boston for the rest of the weekend. Man, Lord help us going to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> the return to the crime scenes. I know. The return of it all. The, be- the crime scene, but also like the beginning of, of everything at the same time. Right. It was, it was the kickoff. Man, what? what that was a... June 2nd, June 3rd? June 4th. June 4th and 5th. Yeah. It was the same days? Oh, yeah. June 4th, 5th, and 6th. Right, because it was three days. Yep. Dang. That's wild. What a way to celebrate. What a way to celebrate. (laughs) We're going to be together on the one year. Fucking electric. Let's go. Let's go. Uh,. What else was electric was these conference finals. Game two in the NLL. The Buffalo Bandits are going back to title town. They're playing for an NLL championship for the second season in a row that we've had an active season, obviously. Um, They lost in 2019 to the Calgary Roughnecks, but they are back. The revenge tour continues. They beat the Toronto Rock in two games, winning 10-9. In a very close matchup, a goal gets waved off last second. I still don't know if it should have been waved off or not. I've watched that goal like play probably 50 times, and I still can't tell. 
It's so close. It's it's one of those calls where it was so close they just had to go with what was on the floor and on the floor they waved it off so they had to say no. Like, look, I can't tell you if it was in or not. I I don't know. I literally don't know. And it's a, that's a tough way to lose per se. You know, like you can say that's why they lost. Like we don't know what happens if that goal is counted and they go to overtime. Maybe Toronto wins and we're talking about two game threes today but we're not we're talking about one that's really tough way to go out but i think it could be very similar to buffalo this year and they use that for fuel next year to come Mm -hmm. back and and run through run through the table you know toronto's got a very good team they have enough to win this year they just ran into literally what might be one of the best nll teams to ever touch you know a surface yeah i mean toronto they're they're just consistently good like i don't even know what other franchise for people out there that are just casual lacrosse fans that you know just picked up the nll this season or whatever i don't even know who to compare the toronto rock to in another sport really but they're just consistently good like and you know they've won championships in the past like you're gonna hate this but they're very similar to the green bay packers like they're consistently good have talent top to bottom and they're just always in it like even, like if they're going to a championship or not, they're all you're always going to consider the Toronto Rock a playoff team. They're locked in in the preseason, in the off season, no matter what. The Toronto Rock are always going to be there because they have talent top to bottom. They have a fantastic coach. They have a top three goalie in the league, which you need in order to win in this league. And you know to lose by one goal, it's heartbreaking. But they will be back. Like it's one of the, like every sport they talk about how hard it is to get back. Toronto is one of those teams that can overcome that stigma and will be back in this situation potentially next year. We're talking about them in the conference finals again. Yeah, after watching them this year, they remind me a lot of uh, the Boston Bruins, a team that's just – they're good. You know, they during the regular season, you might see things that worry you, but they always do enough to make it back to the, to the playoffs. And then in the playoffs, they always turn into that next year and they're in a conference semi or a conference final, or you look up and they're in the Stanley Cup playoff and it's game seven, and you're like, are they going to win it or, or not? You know, And that's a team I see Toronto being as I continue to watch moving forward, a team that has all the pieces, but it's just one little small thing here or there that keeps them from winning or keeps them from advancing in a round that they possibly could advance in. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there, there's – Plenty of opportunity for Toronto to be back here next year. And if you're a Toronto Rock fan, I wouldn't be discouraged at all. I think getting TD in the fold, you know, with another full year of NLL action next year is only going to pay dividends. And the talent top to bottom is beyond stellar. So uh, Toronto will be back. But like like you said, Buffalo is just like arguably best NLL team to ever step on the floor. Potentially, if they seal the deal and win a title year, like they could solidify that argument. Um the San Diego Seals force a game three in overtime with one of the most ridiculous goals I've ever seen. One of the most gutsy goals from one of the most gutsy players. Dane Doby, fucking no look behind the back, seals it against Colorado in the loud house. I was jaw on the ground when that happened because, one, I thought he stepped in the crease at first because of how fast like that play moved. And then to see that it was behind the back the way that it was in slow motion and he stayed out of the crease, 
that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how good of a player he is. Um, and forces game three, and now it's, you know, winner take all back in San Diego between two heated rivals, and we'll see what happens. But San Diego saves their season in overtime um, in a game that, again, no Ryan Lee for Colorado, and just a game of runs. That's what this entire series has been. It's been who can go on the run. San Diego got you know, the momentum of a run and then hits it in overtime. This series is so unpredictable. You and I were texting earlier this week, like, who do you got? And I was like, I don't know. I I don't know who I'm going to pick when we go to our picks in a little bit. But this series has been so entertaining. Um, And and kudos to San Diego for locking in in overtime and, and, you know, forcing game three and not letting their season come to an end. Yeah, that – when I was watching, I look like it amazed me at first. I was like, "There's no way that just happened." Like what? Like I was like, "Wow!" I was finally gonna get a semi. I was gonna finally gonna get a conference finals game right, which I have yet to get one right. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> but we'll leave fair, that. I only have I only have one. And, and so, or no, I have two. I forgot. And, I picked Buffalo game one. And uh, oh well, yeah, I have that one. Sorry, I'm one for three. I have, I have the Buffalo one, and I'm watching, and then I'm I'm watching. I'm like, that happens, and I'm like, wow. No other player on the planet could have done that. For one, I, I really don't feel like any other player on the planet would have done that. And then two, I, I go back and I watch the replay a couple times, and I it amazed me how fast the the switch flipped in his head to do that. Like he instantly went well. I know I only have this many seconds on the clock. My body's moving this way. I can try and shoot this way, but that's probably a save. So the only option I have is to go BTV and stuff it here. And it's like he knew he Dylan Ward would move his knee slightly to the inside and that pocket would open because it was just – it was the timing was perfect. The instant Dylan moved his knee, the ball went right by. And I was like, this is – that's sorcery. Those are things that are not done on a lacrosse field, like, ever. And he made it look so effortless and then just ran straight to the tunnel. It was like, job not done. Straight Kobe, 2-0 lead. It, it, is series over? No, I don't think so. Job not done. Like, it, it was nuts. As Matt not says done. on top ends about some of the, the players in the Premier League, he, Dane Doby practices the – he's a sorcerer of the dark arts. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> he practices the dark, dark arts. We need a defense of the dark arts teacher in here. A sad, uh, paging Warren Jeffrey, one that is one that isn't going to try and kill us. <laughs> Dylan Ward, are you out there? I'll say this though: everybody wants to bag on Dylan Ward all the time. In both of these games, he's been sensational. Has made ridiculous saves. Oh yeah, best he's looked all year has been in the playoffs. Like as much as I, you know, talked about San Diego running him out and I've talked about him kind of having lapses throughout the year. Like the playoffs started and he completely turned it on and has looked like if not like one of the best, if not the best goaltender in the NLL right now. Like it is so hard to score on Dylan Ward. Like every time someone does score on him, I go, Oh my God. That was gross because that's what it's taking right now to score on him. You have to do the almost unbelievable. Like if 
Colorado comes out and they win this game and they go into the playoffs or into the finals and somehow upset Buffalo, Dylan Ward is a big part of that. 100%. Um, So we're on deck for a game three. Like we said last week, not much is going to change with DJ State of the fandom. So that is going to bring us right into it. We're going to feed some ducks. And it is the NLL Conference Finals Game 3 Pick of the Week, powered by the homies over at Pickup. You guys can go to playpickup.com, start playing the hottest headlines in sports, rack up points on your fan profiles, cash them in for prizes. Go to playpickup.com now and start playing those headlines. One pick this week, DJ. Just one singular game. It is the Colorado Mammoth at the San Diego Seals. 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on a Saturday. No respect for the East Coast viewers. Uh, it's a it's a winner go home season on the line for both squads. You win, you go to the, you get a chance to go toe to toe with what we just said is potentially the best NLL team to ever hit the floor in a three game series, or you go home and some of these guys get ready to head to Albany to play in the PLL or get set to go play. Uh, in summer box leagues uh, that are not named Major Series Lacks. We'll get into that a little bit later as well. Um, but Deej, Colorado, San Diego, who you got? Only being one game, this is still very hard to pick. Easily the biggest game of these two teams this season. It all comes down to this. No matter, literally no other game this year matters. If you don't win tonight, it doesn't matter. You go home, end of the year. There's so many factors in this game. Looking at Colorado, they're on the road, so they have to travel. Uh, different climate, obviously. San Diego pointed that out. They got off the bus, and the first thing they said is it's snowing. Um <laughs> And you're going into what is going to be a packed arena, very loud, raunchy, absolute party. Late night, it's going to be 7 p.m. People are just getting, you know, they've already settled into work. They've already had dinner. They've had a few beers in them. Like, it's it's going to be rowdy. No Ryan Lee. And on the other side, you got San Diego at home. The raunchy crowds partying, having their bags screaming. Biggest sporting event in San Diego in quite some time. Yeah. Since the Chargers left. Well, I don't know. I think the Padres have won in between there. It's the World Series. I don't know. I might be wrong. Yeah, I don't think the Padres have done too much. This is probably the biggest game since, like, the Chargers played the Colts, like, when it was (laughs) Phillip Rivers versus Peyton Manning. Oh, my God. That was so long ago. (laughs) But, like, that's what I mean. And I think... With all those factors and just the juice I saw from San Diego fans on the Twitter machine after that Dane Dobie goal, specifically our guy Diggs. Diggs tape just was like, that's it. Seal it. It's over. We're going back home. We're winning it. And and, and I believe him. I think they win it at home. San Diego is going to take the momentum of that goal late in the game, taking it back home to a party in, uh, what is it, Pachanga? Yeah, Pachanga Arena. And they're just kind of have a ball with it go out have fun enjoy themselves because they know no matter what this is it per se 
either you move on and you got two more chances to play or you move on and you go play somewhere else doing other things that are not NOL. So I think San Diego takes care of business. We've been going back and forth on this game, just like weighing like everything. It's been a, a big old scale. Uh, I'm actually going to pause the ducks real quick because I'm going I'm to play a little movie clip here for the people on the podcast feed. I might have to mute this on the YouTube so we don't get copyright strike. Uh, but this is the mood for both teams. Well, then I guess there's only one thing left to do. What's that? Win the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Win the whole fucking thing. That's all there's left to do for both of these teams. On one hand, you have San Diego at home. Coming off big time momentum. Dane Doby extending the season for you. Loads of talent top to bottom. And then you have Colorado coming in here, like you said, without Ryan Lee. You got Zed Williams still. You got, you know, Connor Robinson. You got a bunch of guys stepping up for you in big-time spots for this uh, Colorado team. But what I'm weighing here is simply the guys that have stepped up big-time throughout the season for their respective team, stepped up in big spots, and have shown consistency across the board. Last week, goes to overtime. It was anybody's game, really, last week. Still haven't really seen, you know, a dominant performance from one of these teams in the postseason. That being said, I got to ride with the boys. I got to ride with the homies until the end. Give me the Colorado Mammoth. To punch their ticket to the NLL Finals, taking on the Buffalo Bandits, and then pulling at my heartstrings for three straight games, picking who I think is going to win between the Chaotic Bandits and my West Coast NLL squad. Colorado gets the job done. Another close matchup, in my opinion. Could be overtime again, but I think they have what it takes. I think they know what they have to do to beat this San Diego team where San Diego has kind of, you know, been been tiptoeing in their Jordans, if you will, to, to survive throughout these playoffs and throughout arguably the last two months of the season. So give me the mammoth for my game three pick of the week. DJ's going San Diego, and that is our NLL Conference Finals game three pick of the week, powered by pickup. It's going to be a doozy. It's going to be a doozy. But when one season is, you know, winding down, a new season is on the horizon. It's Memorial Day weekend, which means training camp is coming. And that means it's our Premier Lacrosse League season preview. We're going to get into all the odds and ends. We're going to predict records. We're going to predict awards winners. And we're going to do our way too early preseason championship prediction as well. We got eight teams to preview, DJ. 
how should we start? Should we go alphabetical? Should we go, you know, how the teams finished last season in the standings? How should we break this down? I like going with standings, but I would like to save my favorite team for last. So we'll go we'll go which top is, to which, bottom. Which, which is also your favorite team. Right. We'll go top to bottom standings-wise. So we'll start with Chrome. A lot of change for this squad. Uh, you know, this, this offseason, a lot of retirements, a lot of new guys coming in. Um, brand new goalie, which you and I both know. You need a you need a, a big time goalie to win in any lacrosse league that you're in. Uh, Chrome went two and seven last year, had a negative twenty three score differential, missed the postseason. Draft Logan Wisnowskis, Brendan Nickturn. They're adding JT Giles Harris for the first time into this rotation on defense. They're allegedly running Colin Heacock at midfield, which you and I both hate. <laughs> um, I feel like we're in the minority with that as well. Um, you guys know that I'm a very big proponent of watching this Chrome rebuild come to fruition. How do you feel about Chrome going into the season, Deej? Um, Depending on what happens with their goalie situation and how whoever their number one steps out and plays – I think they could be very similar to an Atlas scenario last year. Do I think they get as high as a two seed? Possibly not. But I think they could have one of those seasons where they have a very quick turnaround and are in the playoffs competing very, you know, with with pretty much every team in the league because they have so much talent that they picked up. Brendan Nickturn and Logan Wisnowskis, along with the attack unit they already have. Granted, they did lose a lot, but like you mentioned to me earlier, like they are uh, off pod. They finally have reached a point to where they're, uh, they have a defense this year. We know for a fact, they're going to put out an entire defense. Uh, they won't get Jesse Bernhard back until um, Maryland's done until Maryland's done with their final four run. Um, but still like there's, they're going to have a solid set defense. They have a couple faceoff guys. Goalie is kind of their only question mark with air quotes. They have guys there. They just don't know who it's going to be. Depending on how he plays, they could have a very, very good season. And we could be talking about yet another team with a quick turnaround with a bunch of young guys. And is this the takeover of a new generation of lacrosse? 100%. And, you know, each team this season has 10 games um, with the 10 weekends this year, not including all the all-star game because obviously it doesn't count towards your record. Um, so with 10 games this year, Deej, how do you see Chrome finishing the year in the regular season after finishing two and seven last year? Five and five. I think I go five and five and sneak into the playoff with like the six or seven seed. We're on the same page. I have them going five and five as well. I think it's just enough of an improvement um, with all the additions that they've made. You're still playing against heavyweight teams this year. You're playing against, uh, you know, I think you play every team at least once this year, if I'm not mistaken. So 
you're playing Whipstakes, you're playing Redwoods, you're playing the Water Dogs, you're playing Atlas, you're playing Chaos, you're playing Archers. Like, six right there that last year were either difficult matchups outside of Whipsnakes for some reason for Chrome, uh, where they just absolutely dominated them, uh, or, you know, it, it was a back-and-forth heavyweight matchup, and then you had Cannons where just nobody played defense in that game, if I remember correctly. No, that was Atlas and Cannons. Yeah. Um but I mean, the goalie thing I think is is not an issue. Like this is no slight at Sean Scannoni. It's just one of those things where it's like you and I were talking before we started recording. Like you go through the goalies in the PLL and you list off goalies that you'd potentially rather have starting for your team on a game day. There's obviously a, a lot more that we've seen a, a more of a resume from that you and I would rather have starting on day one for our team. Um, but I think they've added enough pieces to improve, get three more wins, um, and we'll see if it's good enough for a playoff spot or not. You know, I think there's still a lot of talent ahead of them, um, but I think you know there's there's possibilities there. And you know, like we said last week, now every game matters for every team because of the off-season tournament. You want to qualify for that off-season sixes tournament, uh, the championship series. So five and five, I don't think that's going to be good enough for Chrome to qualify for that but potentially could sneak in, you know, with a low tier playoff seed, uh, depending on how things go for them the the rest of the way. So we both have Chrome going five and five. Let's move on to the next squad who uh, snuck into the playoffs because of a win over this Chrome team. That is the lone squad coming over from the MLL so far. Cannons. They lose PR99. They've added every offensive player under the sun. Still kind of surprised Miles Thompson has not joined their squad yet. I feel like that's something that's inevitable <laughs> almost since he's in the player pool, and we'll see if he's back in the PLL this year. Um, it would shock me if they don't add him. Um, but Cannon's... To get to the playoffs the way they did, they finished three and six last year, a minus ten goal differential. Um, but I mean, they scored more goals than four other teams last year. Or, I'm sorry, three other teams, and they were tied with Redwoods for goals scored last year with 110. Um, their defense was just a massive issue. I wouldn't even say their. I wouldn't even say Morocco was an issue for them. It was just he got left out to dry because their defense was very inconsistent. Um, that's what I'm looking for this year from them is better defensive play. Um, we'll see how, you know, guys like Asher Nolting pair up with Lyle Thompson. Another full year of Ryan Drenner playing with Lyle. Shane Jackson more than likely going to be fully in the mix now offensively for them as well. Um, you also look at what they did in the draft. We liked you know, some of the moves they made along with Asher. Um, but, I mean, they've added a ton. And when you add players to a mix, it's a lot of chemistry building that you have to do. So you don't know how a lot of these guys are going to mix full-blown. They added uh, Stephen Kelly and Alex Woodall at the face-off position, which last year was their kryptonite. If they, if they finished below 36% last year facing off, they lost every single time. They went 0-6. Um, they added our guy Drake Porter and Colin Kirst 
at the goalie position with Nick Morocco. Um, and I mean, offensively, they just have every player under the sun. Like we said, there, there's a lot of building that I think is still in the cards for this team. I think last year getting into the playoffs was a, a cool story for them. It was cool to see PR 99 get into the playoffs one last time. Their record didn't really reflect how good they were offensively, but it reflected how bad they were defensively and how many goals they they allowed 120 goals last year, so minus 10 goal differential, like I said. I don't know if they're going to improve upon their 3-6 and six record. Obviously, you know, there's one more game in the mix, but I have them going 4-6 and six right now on paper just because I don't know how the chemistry is going to be across the board with so many new additions. Obviously, there was a, a small switch up with their coaching staff, too. Um, but I still think Cannons is... They're really in this building phase, and they're still trying to find a full-blown identity, which, obviously, the, the epicenter is Lyle Thompson, but you're trying to build around him and create a... Uh, a formula that really embodies what he does best to, to push your team forward. And you just need to see improvement defensively big time from this team. If they want to perform at a high level, I have cannons going four and six this year. Yeah. I'm, I'm around there with you three and seven, four and six. I think they take a slight step back and I think it's because I don't know if that defense gets any better because I cannot contradict myself on my statement earlier with San Diego winning game three, like I think they will, your defensive leader doesn't possibly get back until week three or four. That is definitely going to hurt you. You possibly lose your first three or four games just because you don't have your defensive leader. That puts you in a very bad spot to begin the year. Which for context for you too, Cannons play Water Dogs week one. They play Archers week three. And they play Atlas week two. So your first three matchups are Water Dogs, Atlas, Archers. And then, you know, if he's out week four, two, potentially, which who knows, uh, they play Chrome. Yeah, and it's like, though, two, at least two of those games I see very winnable if you have, you know, Brody Merrill. But with, you know, San Diego possibly being in a three-game finals in the NLL, you're really pushing it. And that worries me a lot with not only team chemistry, but that defense as well. And if you start off the year one and three, oh and four, oh and three, one and two, it's going to be very tough to not only get him added into the groove that you guys are going, but to also bounce back from that and get wins stacked up to be back in a good position. So three and seven, four and six. Is good for me, but I definitely think they take quote unquote a step back from where they were last year. So, what's the official record that I'm putting down that we look back mid September? <laughs> I'll go four and six. Because I feel like two. Not that it's a bad thing because you can never have too much. I do feel, though, that Cannon's overemphasized additions on offense and didn't really improve defensively to just add more pieces to what they already have, being, you know, 
Holden Garland, Tyson Bell, Zach Goodridge, Dalton Solver, Jack Keelty. Like, those are core pieces. And then, obviously, Brody Merrill, Jake Pulver as well. But I feel like they needed that one more, like, big addition. And it just didn't happen for them. Um, you know, we'll see if Matt Rahill from Maryland steps up for them. Brian McIntosh from Hofstra. Uh, Scott Hooper from Virginia. Like, those are some of the new additions as well for them defensively. They also have Reese Eddy back at LSM. So, we'll see what they do. Um, but I still think that Cannons are, are very much so in their building phase and acclimating to the PLL. Um, and we'll see what they do this year. But, I, you know, both of us have them at four and six, which could potentially be at the bottom of the, of the table. And that means Atlas has the number one pick in the draft. <laughs> Which is wild, um, uh, but maybe they're doing the whole Packers thing where they're just gonna say, "Hey, defense, keep it close, and our offense will go berserk and win the game." It, it, I hate it. That's like my biggest pet peeve as a Packers fan is it seems like Aaron Rodgers walks into every game day locker room and goes, "All right, defense, keep it within three points, and I promise I'll win the game." It, it drives me bonkers, but like I could see them doing that with like how they constructed their team go out to the defense be like hey we're playing the whips today hold them to 12 we'll score 13 guarantee it like that kind of they'd be that kind of team hey whatever floats your boat whatever works but i don't like it agreed um it's gonna be an interesting season with with the cannons i'm excited shout out to coach quirk friend of the program can't wait to have him back on Let's go to the defending champs, Deej. They finished uh, third from the bottom in the regular season at four and five. Weird that they had a negative goal differential, scored the least amount of goals in the league last year at 96, didn't even crack 100. Defending champs, though, they dethroned the whips. Half their team is not going to be there for the first potentially three weeks of the season due to half of their team playing for the Buffalo Bandits in the NLL. Um a lot of solid additions, though, for this team. Unfortunately, the man, the myth, the legend, Kevin Crowley, will not be suiting up for chaos uh, as he had shoulder surgery this week. Um, so he will not be playing any lacrosse this summer. So shout out to the big cow. Hopefully he gets back healthy for the wings uh, this winter. But this this team is going to be interesting for the first three to four weeks of the season. A lot of quote-unquote replacement players, as people are, are dubbing it. There are some familiar faces, though, with PLL experience and with chaos experience. Um, the boy, Bryce Wasserman, is back. The boy who's coming through in the clutch in Albany. I know you were hyped when you saw that tweet, DJ. Jerry Raganese bringing the secret sauce to Albany for the boys. Um, this chaos team is going to be very unpredictable, I would say, to start the year. Um, simply because they're missing their core guys, but I think big thing, Blaze Reardon will be there, Jared Newman will be there, Jack Rowlett will be there. Um, you know, this is an opportunity for guys like Andrew Q to really step up and make a name for himself at the PLL level. This is an opportunity for somebody like Joe Resitardis to really step back into the PLL uh, and the field game and, and really step up. This is an opportunity for Ryan Smith to really step up. Um, you know, midfield wise, you look. This is I think this is prime opportunity for our guy KJ forty seven to shine because um, he could pop up 
at the top and play offensively. He could drop back and play midfield like he did last year. I also think Challen Rodgers being there is going to alleviate a lot of the pressures of Dane Smith not being there. Um, they obviously have Jonathan Donville in the mix, too. They'll have Pat Resch coming back. Um, uh, it's an underrated signing that I think a lot of people forget. This guy is on chaos. TJ Camizio is part of this chaos roster now. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway here is that Chaos's defense will still be intact. Blaze will be there. It's just up to, you know, the offense in the midfield, which some of these guys were there. Some of these guys have previous chemistry from other teams. Um, how do you kind of see this Chaos squad taking shape with, you know, the circumstances that they'll have to face for the first three to four weeks of the season? It's weird, but I think they actually have one of the best positions. Um, because of who they have as quote-unquote replacement players and like what their offense is going to look like for the first couple of the weeks, it's completely different than what it will look like when they get all those guys back. So nobody really knows how to prepare for this first couple of weeks of chaos ball. And then they're all going to get used to that. And then everything's going to switch when those old guys get back and they're going to have to try and get used to playing against that set of offense again. So they have a position where they could come in and continuously be that best team in the league that they have been because their defense is intact, which is a very important part of the ball. Um, it'll be tough not having their face-off guy and Max Heidler, but that's a position where depending on who you're going against, if you can keep them muddy and keep them on the ground, they have great wing guys and they can pick up plenty of ground balls and win face-offs. So that's not really a problem for them. And like you mentioned, it's more of that offense, but with who they have and having that different identity that defenses aren't used to when seeing that chaos Jersey, they could, they could run away and have a very good season because of the changeup. And, you know, they have Jerry Raganese coming in who has PLL experience at the face-off spot. And they have a guy returning to chaos with PLL experience in Tommy Kelly. So I think, you know, as much as they're going to miss Max Adler and what he brings to the table, it could be a lot worse than having two PLL vets and a guy who was on your roster for two years prior to last season coming back. Um, you know, it's two guys that know the PLL rules. I think Jerry being there is going to help Tommy a ton because we all know Tommy struggled in the bubble, but a lot of people struggled in the bubble. Um, and that's what kind of led to his release from the squad and not being protected when cannons came through. But I think Jerry being there is going to really help Tommy out a lot because I kind of view Tommy being the starter uh, on opening day for them just because of the familiarity with AT. But I think Jerry will just be a massive extension of the coaching staff for them. And I think it will really help Tommy out with a lot of the PLL nuances that he struggled with in 2020. Um and I mean, they got the they got the reigning MVP and the best player on the planet, and Blaze Reardon. Like, it's tough to knock that. I have chaos this season, going six and four, um, improving upon their record from last year when they went four and five. Um, I just think they're too fucking talented, and you know, some of the guys they signed would be on an expansion roster immediately and starting for that expansion roster. Um, I certainly think they're going to crack the 100 goals scored mark this season, no doubt about it. Um, 
And once they get their entire offense back, which includes Tahoka, which includes Mac O'Keefe coming back, um, you know, they're gonna they're gonna put up goals and they're gonna win games. I have them going six and four. I kind of like seven and three. I like seven and three for this team. Like like I mentioned, they're in such a different spot than everyone else. They have a chance to shock, shock some teams and win a couple games a team teams feel like they shouldn't win. Moving on to the former defending champs, and now the reigning runners-up with what I laughed at with their hype video, Unfinished Business. I don't know how you have Unfinished Business when you have two titles to your name. The Whip Snakes Lacrosse Club. They finished with a negative goal differential last year, scored 102, but had 113 put up on them, which was the third most in the league, only behind chrome and cannons whip snakes last year just seemed in a weird spot obviously rambo got hurt in baltimore so that derailed a little bit of things for them kyle burnlor kind of you know for lack of a better term got the yips um but then they had the phipps come in and you know carry them to get to the championship game they still have a ton of the guys on this roster they added a ton more maryland guys to this roster um there's no doubt in my mind whip snakes are just going to continue to compete and be one of those teams that just continues to get into the postseason one way or another um they went five and four last year you know i think they can go six and four seven and three i'm gonna knock them i'm gonna put them down at six and four because also you know we don't know if zed williams if colorado advances they won't have zed for potentially the first two to three to four weeks of the season which is He's a massive part of their offense, um, but for the most part, you know their whole roster will be intact uh, going into the season outside of Zeddy Ball game, depending on how uh, things go for Colorado on Saturday night. But I'm going to put Whip Snakes down at six and four. I think they'll improve. They'll get one more win. Um, I just don't know. I, I think the championship game loss factors into a lot of things. You had a lot of guys uh, play NLL this year, have a longer, you know, season of playing, a shorter off season, um, and I think as weird as it is, it's it's a big question mark to see if Kyle Burnlor bounces back. We we got to see that unfold um, because it's been a while since we've seen him play. Uh, hopefully, he does because it's always better for the league when you have your best players at their best. Uh, but I have whips going six and four. I like six and four too, just simply because, um, like you mentioned, we don't know what's really going to go on with their goalie situation. We hope he bounces back, but I mean, he could literally be hitting one of those career slumps that kind of just sends you down the bad, bad, you know, bad path. I really hope he doesn't for the simple fact that he's an amazing goalie. I mean, he's the first goalie I remember making one of those crazy saves that made me go like, Whoa! It, it was the 2016 national championship game. His shot on Kluge, like, or his save on Kluge. It was nuts. I, I will never forget that save a day in my life. Never want to see a player like that kind of just lose it. But sometimes it happens. And also, um, losing Zed, like you said, that's that's a pretty big deal. And I just think teams are starting to catch up in terms of talent. They were such a stacked team 
offensively that teams couldn't keep up defensively or they just couldn't score enough goals to not outscore them. But teams are just about even with them now, or if not better than they are now. So it's they the whips have to go out and work for it. And in certain situations, they're not better than the team they're going against or they're not working harder than the team they're going against. They're losing games. It's it's a matter of just not simply being the best anymore. They were one of those teams, too, that I think it's them, Redwoods, and Archers maybe to to a lesser extent. But, like, Redwoods and, and Whipsnakes were the two teams that had the camaraderie from the concept of 2019 putting the college guys together. Like, they are still very much Maryland's team. Um so they had that advantage and still have that advantage, in my opinion. So that has played a, a huge and massive part in their success, and they continue to add upon it because that's the guys they draft, that's the guys they sign, you know, out of the player pool. Um, and I don't blame them. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But, uh, you know, I think Zed Williams missing any time for this team is is a, a knock. Um, but not like they don't have the guys to step up because Brad Smith, Jake Carlson, and uh, Matty Rambo are – fucking elite and then you know you have the other thing i think for whips that i really want to see is not another step back for channy channy really stepped back last year in terms of two-point production and i know it's you know whip snakes ball we hit singles but to have that outside threat and to have channy dropping two bombs the way that he did in 2020 and 2019 it added an element to Whipsnake's offense that I think they really missed last year, and that's the result of a 5-4 and four record. If you can have Chani get back to maybe not a 2019 level, but you know just under that in terms of hitting two-point shots, that really adds a dimension to this Whipsnake's offense that I think they really lacked in 2021. Yeah, not having an outside shooter is a big problem in the PLL. Like, forcing the defense to stretch out and and – respect that threat from deep really opens up a lot in the crease opens up a lot of uh dodging space and a lot more space just to move offensively and for him to have taken that step back you could see how defenses were able to contrast in take away that inside threat force you to dodge send a double team when you turn your back and now the ball's in the carpet and they pick it up and go the other way like that's exactly what you want to step away from um and i think Possibly, don't call me crazy here, but pulling curse the curse brother down, or they still have Ryan Tierney if I'm not mistaken. He's on Cannons. No, yeah, okay, that's what I couldn't remember if he got traded. He is on Cannons, um, but they definitely have a few midfield pieces that they can move down and try down at that attack spot to give um, another speedy Dodger opportunity out on the wing and, and leave Brad Smith up at midfield, kind of just to provide something else to take away from defenses being able to contrast and kind of just leave guys uh, kind of out on the island and dodge by themselves. Yeah, 100%. And I think there's a lot of things that I think kind of just slipped away from Whip Snakes last year that will be fixed this year. Um, and I'm going to put this out here right now because we love throwing um, – you know, propaganda out there. This is now the beginning of the Colin Squires for Depoy agenda begins now. <laughs> um, I will be taking no further questions at this time. Uh, moving on to the next squad. Since DJ said we are going to skip the woods for last, that puts us at the Archers, who finished above the Redwoods last year. 
with a 5-4 and four record, but had a better goal differential, so that's why they finished in third place. Scored 119 goals, only allowed 95. They have their face-off guy now. Added some more pieces as of this week. Brandon Slade, now a member of Archers, which has me very excited. Shout out to Slades. Um, this Archers team is so much fun to watch. They have Gitz coming back as, you know, primary goalie. And this is a team that I think this is the year that starts the clock of now or never. This is a big year for the Archers. A lot of their guys, not that they're old, but sports age-wise, they're starting to get older. You have guys coming into the next phase of their careers, potentially. We'll see. You know, Father Time is undefeated. Um, this is this is the year for me for Archers that they really need to go on a run if they want to reach that goal of being a championship team. They have a lot of pieces. They got the final piece to their puzzle in terms of on paper, in my opinion, with Inacio coming in at faceoff. This is this is a big year for the Archers. Um, I think they have the talent to do it. I think they have a phenomenal coaching staff. Um, I think last year seeing Marcus Holman look like he was having fun playing lacrosse again was huge. And, you know, they'll have Tom Schreiber to start the season too, which is massive for them. Um, I have Archers going 7-3. and three. I really like them on paper. I really like the way they played last year. I don't think their record really spoke to how dominant they were. Like they started the season very, very good, and then Long Island happened and they lost two games. And things kind of fell apart for a little bit. Arguably last year, Archers were the best team in the league. You could you could make that argument. Um I have them going seven and three. I think they are gonna be towards the top of the table of the standings this year. And like I said, it's it's the beginning of the now or never for archers. I have to agree with uh, seven and three. Um, like you said, I think they have pretty much everything they need. Uh, they could go out and get another LSM. Kind of just as something to have as you know a, a safe haven. Because like you mentioned, the, the numbers are getting high with age. Scott Ratliff is definitely one of those guys that's higher in sports age has literally been playing lacrosse forever. Um, literally seems like a vampire. seems like every year he pops back. He, and he is younger than I thought he was though. He's only yes. 30. But like, like I said, man's been playing lacrosse forever. And it seems like every time somebody steps out, like every time he steps out there, somebody goes, Scott Ratliff is still playing lacrosse. And I go, yep, <laughs> he sure is. Like, so, you know, they can do stuff like that, but in all reality, they have all the pieces they need and, they're coming back into a spot where uh, the offense is set, defense is set, and they just had to slide in that last piece with face-off, really. And I don't see them tripping up a lot this year. Um, my biggest concern is them tripping up in the playoffs and that being the place you cannot trip up in because it's one game and go home. So that's the only thing that has me worried is them not winning a championship this year because they happen to slip up in the playoff instead of – during the regular season at the, at the end of the year, you know, week nine, week 10, when you should slip up instead of week 12, 13. 
Also forgot to mention with whips, Ty Warner's back. Everybody knows that, though. Uh, so that's a, a massive improvement for them in a spot that you and I both said they were lacking. Um, yeah, I mean, this Archers team, they, they have the pieces to get it done. Now it's just a matter of getting it done. Um, but I like them on paper. I love their coaching staff. I love their D middies with Dominique, with Latrell, with Mark McNeil. Um, those three are, are huge for them. And then just the offense, it's there. You know, you add Matt Moore into the mix, which I think will help alleviate if Trey LeClaire is not there to start the season. If Connor Fields, uh, you know, with him being out to start the season, you got the guys. Now you just got to execute, you know, consistently and and really finish what you've started since that 2019 draft pick game. That's really where things started for Archers. Now it's time to finish it. Um Moving on to the team that finished in second place last year, Atlas, the Young Bulls, who just continue to just add talent. Um, you know, they just stack it, and they have talented, talented players on this squad. Um, we were talking pre-pod. I think Atlas is a team that potentially takes a step back from where they were last year. They finished 6-3. and three. Had a goal differential of 12, and that's why they finished in second place. Scored 120 goals last year. Obviously, they have Jeff Teat coming back. They draft Chris Gray. Uh, you know, they have one of the most electric players in the league in Romar Dennis. Um, I think their biggest question mark is seeing how Jack Kincannon bounces back from injury from last year. Um, and just building upon success. I think Atlas last year... They exceeded expectations and kind of arrived at where they were a year early. Um, I don't think they expected themselves. Like, they can say it all they want. Like, yeah, we expected to be here. I don't think they expected to be where they were last year. Last year. I think they expected 2022 to be the year to take that step forward, especially after gutting the entire roster, bringing in all young guys. Um, I love a lot of the pieces on this roster. I just think they overachieved last year in a lot of spots. Um, so I have Atlas going, man, looking at all of the, I have them going six and four as well. They're kind of in that echelon of where I have whip snakes and chaos. Um, but those two teams are at six and four for much different reasons. But I have uh, Atlas taking that step back, winning the same amount of games, but adding a loss because of the extra game. Six and four is where I have Atlas. This is crazy. But I think they pull off a win that they definitely shouldn't somewhere in the season and have a phenomenal eight and two year. Wow. But you know, wow. I think I think they're I think what you said, a lot of what you said was very on par with how their season will go. And seven on three seven and three seems like what they should be. But with that extra game that they pull off later, you know, some at sometime in the year against like a a whips, a woods, you know, someone like that where it's a game and they're in it and everybody's like, they really shouldn't be in this game. The other team definitely has more than enough to win. And it's going to be one of those games that they pull off and they end up having an eight and two year. But I don't think they have enough to win a championship either. I think they fall apart in the quarterfinal or the semi against a team that's been there before, established, 
may have tripped up during the year, but it's like, hey, it's playoff time. Time to turn it up. This is what we do. And I think that's kind of where we see the young and inexperienced start to fall and, you know, start to play a part is in the playoff rather than during the regular season. Um, there's so much, there's so much hype, so much skill, so much leg, you know, they're so young that they can just go, go, go. They don't have to worry about age. And the, I mean, they have the skill. It seems like the younger the game goes, the better they get skill wise. Like I'm seeing the highlights starting with high school players going one hand behind the back, high bouncers. And I'm like, dude, how, but like, you know, the more they play, the more they watch, the more things they try, the better they get. And it's the same thing with the young PLL guys. He's first year, you know, these rookies, these sophomores, these young guys are, they're just tearing the game up because they have all this leg and all this skill. That's what the archers did last year. I don't really see, <clears throat> no, excuse me, not archers. That's what Alice did last year. I don't really see him taking a step back because they're bringing all those pieces plus a guy like Chris Gray in who's arguably the best left-hand attacking in the draft. My biggest question is just seeing where these guys fit. Like you have a puzzle that you're trying to put together that results in a championship and you just have so many guys that play a lot of similar spots. It's a, a puzzle that, you know, Coach Rubio is going to have to put together and we'll see, you know, how he mixes and matches this lineup all season long. But I have him six and four. You have him eight and two. And that takes us to the dogs, the top dogs, the water dogs who finished six and three last year with a better score differential than Atlas. And that's why they got the one seed 111 goals scored, 98 scored against, added a bunch more. You know, pieces to this squad that you and I both love. They're Team Canada 2.0 behind Chaos. Um, I really like this Water Dogs team this year. I, I think the pieces they have are super solid. I think, you know, very similar to Chrome getting JT Giles Harris back this year. Um, and very similar to, you know, a lot of teams just getting guys for the very first time. Water Dogs didn't have a first round pick but they're essentially getting Michael Sowers for the very first time this year. He barely played last year. You're essentially getting him brand new into this offense, which I think is huge for them. Um, you know, you added Reed Bowering to this team that already has Zach Currier. Uh, talk about ground ball Kings. You got two of them right there. Um, you know, obviously no, uh, no Ben Reeves this year. But I think that opens up switchability for this offense for Water Dogs this year that just has a ton of talent offensively. Um, I think that opens up a lot of playing time for Kieran McArdle to just stay on the field. Um, and, you know, you look at the rest of this roster, Ryan Brown, Charlie Kitchen, Kieran McArdle, Michael Sowers. Then your midfield of Reed Bowering, Ryan Conrad, Zach Courier. You drafted Jack Hanna. Potentially gives Connor Kelly an opportunity to play up top more than he did last year. You have Christian Mazzone, uh, Tyler Pace, Christian Scarpello, Mikey Schlosser, Ethan Walker. This team's loaded with talent. I think the only, you know, hiccup that they'll have, depending on that West Finals Game 3, not having Eli Gobrecht to start the season. But defensively, they're solid. They have Liam Burns, Ben Randall, Chris who can step up big time. Rylan Reese, Jake Withers, 
You know, they have Dylan Ward potentially, and if they don't, they have Matt DeLuca. Like, that's huge for them. They also have Jacob Stover, who they signed out of the player pool. Um, I just, I just really like this team. I love Andy Copeland. Um, I think the Water Dogs continue to just build upon what they were doing last year. Um, and when they went six and three, I have them going seven and three. I, I think they're a, a very solid team. I think they're going to be in that discussion for top four and qualifying for the, the championship series. Um, and I think they have a chance to make more noise in the playoffs that this year than they did last year. Uh, I don't have much to say about this team. I think they're a team. <laughs> I, 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 I really don't. <laughs> Like, <laughs> it is not like a bad. I don't have much to say. Like, it's it's a very self-explanatory. Like, when you when you say Zach Courier rebowing Michael Sowers, what more do I need to say? Ben Randall, Chris, like as I say the names, they speak for themselves. There's not a lot to say. They're a very blue-collar, hard-nosed team that's just gonna go out and grind. They're gonna make you work for what is it 48 minutes i believe yeah they're gonna make you work for 48 minutes you're gonna have to pick up every ground you have to run through every ground ball if you want to pick it up you're gonna have to run through a check you're gonna get a body check you're gonna have to score in tight you're gonna like if you want to win you're gonna have to go Mm -hmm. out and win regardless if they have dylan ward or not um i'm very on par with seven and three with you i think that fits them very well with how they played last year with who they're adding slash getting for the first time, getting back, um, just everything that they have going for them. Seven and three seems very par. The most exciting thing for me is what I just realized is you're going to hate when they play in Albany because I'm not going to shut up about Matt DeLuca and actually being able to see him play in person. Just to let you know. That's also pending if Colorado wins or not. I don't know how quick is he going to be able to turn around and play? Do, do, do you think – well, my question is, do you think they start Dylan Ward game one knowing that, he, that he's coming in off of a week with basically no training camp? But just playing devil's advocate. I mean, since, he is Dylan since Ward. Since he's been playing he's and he is playing. Dylan Ward. But, I mean, let's, let's be real here. NLL and, and – PLO goalie, I think, for sure, pretty, pretty different. For sure, hundred percent. But in a way, it's easier mobility for him. PLL, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, I could see it going either way, but mm-hmm. I'm totally. I'm, and I mean, I'm leaning on on what you believe in in Colorado winning this weekend meaning he won't be available next weekend or for a few weekends after that so yeah i'm not and hey i'm not mad about matt deluca you know i'm a deluca guy oh yeah i love deluca you just you are follower of the pod you're gonna hate me because i'm not gonna shut up about deluca never that matt deluca's the man i've been talking about he's the gentle giant i've been talking about getting deluca in a woods jersey (laughs) for how long before they traded for Dylan Ward, I thought he was going to be the starter for them. <laughs> yeah, dude, I talked I, about that forever. I talked about it forever. I was like, yes, like I was. I remember when he got drafted. I was talking to 
my homie Henry, who's a big uh, Woods fan, just because he's a big ND fan. So obviously that makes nerd. Sense. And but he played goalie, and he's my goalie in high school and stuff. And I was like, yo, like, have you seen Deluca? He's like that kid out of Delaware. I was like, yeah, like he's gross. And I was like, I think he's gonna start for the Water Dogs. And then like everything happened, and they and then he goes, well, they got Dylan Moore. And I was like, well, yeah, I don't think he well, started. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, literally. <laughs> well. I don't really like Matt DeLuca like that. <laughs> if y'all don't know what TikTok, if you know that reference, comment on the on the YouTube. If you know please. that reference, comment down below on YouTube. Please. Oh my god. Well, Dylan Ward's in the house now. So I'm so I'm definitely oh, excited. I'm, I'm praying. Kind of on the low that I get to see Dylan uh, plotting on plotting on <laughs> your picks downfall. <laughs> kind of, <laughs> kind of. Uh, I haven't well, been doing well in them anyway, so I mean, it's really that big of a deal. Moving to the woods, our squad five and four last year, a plus four goal differential uh, last season, finished in the four seed. Losing the quarterfinals to the fucking whip snakes again. <laughs> um, added a lot of talent though. Arden Cohen, we get our guy. T a full year again of TD. I think will be huge. And not having him in the playoffs sucked. Um, I think adding Arden Cohen makes Garrett Eppel better at what he does for this defense. Um, because it alleviates a lot of like extra things that he had to do last year and in 2020. Um, I think of another full year of RP three in this offense. I think he's going to have a much better year than he did last year. Um, and Redwoods arguably have the best midfield in the league, plain and simple, um, from top to bottom. And I'm just, uh, I, it might sound homerish. But, like, I'm very high on this team. I, I think they have the pieces to fully get it done now. I believe more in Timmy Troutner than you do. <laughs> um, I have Redwoods going 8-2. and two. I like 8-2 and two, uh, a lot, actually, for this team. I think they answered all of the questions they needed to answer this year. Um, I thought their attack line was pretty solid with RP3, Cav, and Ryder. Um my only big thing for me is not having Ryan Lee. Uh, it's it's tough to see him uh, lose him to the injury that he's dealing with. Um, but Clark Peterson is back, which I'm very excited okay. about for yeah. this team. Yeah, and, and I mentioned that to some other Woods guys in the Discord, since I guys, Woods fans in the Discord is, you know, it's Clark Peterson and Ryan Lee are almost interchangeable. They play very similar games, so that role that Ryan Lee would have played for the squad is pretty much filled with Clark Peterson. And then, like you mentioned, looking at the midfield, it is arguably the best midfield I've ever seen. Stem and water dogs, in my opinion. Jules Henningberg, you know, Miles, Serge, Mitch Bartolo, Nakai, um, Charlie Bertrand. I think there's a few more I'm not even – I can't even think of because, I mean – you know, D-Midi-wise, you have Isaiah Davis-Allen. Yeah, and I mean, I think they even classify 
uh, Ryan Lee or, you know, a couple other guys that play down at attack as midfield as well. And that on that squad, like they, they're loaded when it comes to offense. Then you look at their defense, who's possibly getting Matt Landis back. So now looking at your cover guys, you could possibly have Matt Landis, Fen Sullivan, Arden Cohen, and Garrett Apple, along with Kyle Thornton and Eddie Glazer. And that's not even counting our polls, who in and in themselves are Kyle Hartzell. And John uh, Saxton. And John Saxton. Uh, John Saxton. The, the team is literally loaded top to bottom. I actually have a little I've, – I've got a little bit more faith in Timmy T this year, giving him almost a fresh restart. I think he, he addressed this five-hole problem over the summer. He's had plenty of time – or over the winter, excuse me. He had plenty of time in the offseason to work on that. So I got trust in him. He's going to ball out this year. Big trust. Woo-woo. Wood, woods go 8-2 and two and have a phenomenal year. I'm just putting this out there, too, for the non-NLL fans or, you know, casual NLL fans that didn't pay attention too closely to the Halifax Thunderbirds this year. Clark Peterson took a massive step forward. Like, if there was, if there is an award for, like, most improved, like, Clark should be in that discussion. Like, he was disgusting this year took his game to a whole new level and i think that's going to translate this year being back with nat i think is going to be great for him offensively he's that off ball piece that really helps rp3 succeed and we saw that with ryan lee for the first couple weeks of the season last year um and clark is you know he's just 24 year old version of ryan lee where ryan lee is 26 clark's a little bit younger but they play a very similar style of of ball and it's it's really gonna help this team in the long run um having clark peterson back and i think he's just gonna be that much more confident going into this year and having him back on this team cannot be overlooked enough um because he he's gonna be a huge piece to the puzzle for redwoods winning a championship like we know that they are capable of so looking at our records right now we both have Cannons finishing at the bottom of the table, which means Atlas would finish the year with the number one overall pick uh, going into the the college draft. We both have Redwoods and at or we both have Redwoods going eight and two. You have Atlas also going eight and two. We have let's see on the same page Whipsnakes both at six and four, Waterdogs and Archers both at seven and three. I have Chaos at 6 and 4. We both have Chrome at 5 and 5, which means Chrome qualifies for the playoffs. I have Atlas at 6 and 4. So yeah, our playoffs would look like this essentially. It would be Redwoods or you have Atlas at 8 and 2. Um but we have Redwoods qualifying for the playoffs. We have Archers qualifying for the playoffs. Water Dogs, Atlas, Chaos, Whips, Chrome. Those are our playoff teams. Um, don't know what order it would be. We'll probably put a graphic out later this week. 
uh, to just differentiate everything. Because obviously everything's going to come down to goal differential for a lot of the ties and stuff like that. Um, but that's where we have the records going. We're going to do our awards as well before we wrap up the season preview here. So, Deej, the PLL Awards, Rookie of the Year for 2022 will be blank. Logan Wismowskis. We because are on I, the same page. Just because I think Chrome takes the quote unquote the biggest step from last year in terms of teams. And I think that plays a big like and it should is how well your team and you perform should play a role in who wins these awards. And I think his team will take the biggest step and he will have one of the biggest roles as a rookie. So that's gonna shine kind of like what we saw with Teat this year with Atlas. The team took a huge step and he had such a big role with the team. It was always inevitable that we, you know, he would get the award, even though there were some people who definitely gave him a run for his money until he kind of took off at the tail end and put up a lot of points and everybody was like, all right. 100%. I'm on the same page. I think Logan is, is locked in. Um, you know, could there be other dark horse candidates? Yes. But like you said, what he's going to bring to Chrome, I think is going to be massive. Uh, defensive player of the year. Last year's winner was Graham Hasek from Archers. I have Graham Hasek repeating as Depoy. I think he's just too good. He's the cyborg. Give me Hasek to win back-to-back Depoys. I'm going with the absolute homie who I thought should have won it last year because I thought he was that good. I think he is the one defender in the PLL that everyone is afraid to go against because it's almost impossible to get past him. Jack Rellow. A thousand percent. I think he wins deep play this year. Um, he was just so good last year. And I don't think he takes a beat. I don't think he takes a step back. Uh, that defense is coming in full circle. Everybody's back. There's no uh, nobody from that unit taking a step out. He's got his goalie with him. He can come in, play his. He knows his role. Number one cover guy. I stopped their best their best offensive threat. They want to score. They got to go through me, and he plays it with pride. I, I value that a lot. I think he's gonna get the award he deserves this year. But of course, dark horse for the homie, Kyle Squires for deep boy. Yeah. Colin Squires is winning T-Boy. What are we talking about here? Um, Attackman of the year. Last year was Grant Amen. Who do you got taking home Attackman of the year this year? There's not like a comeback player of the year, right? I don't believe so. Okay, then I will say Michael Sowers for this. Um, I, I think don't just... Hate that. Just having that year off and being able to watch the PLL from a sideline slash like bleachers point of view and get the look of how the game is played from there. He had a little bit of game experience, but I think that's really going to be able to give him 
kind of a leg up. And then he's also got that chip on the shoulder of missing his entire, you know, rookie season because he got domed in the back of the head. Like that sucks. And guys remember that kind of stuff. So he's going to have some fire. And like we mentioned, they have an unbelievable midfield and, you know, an attack unit that has Ryan Brown on it. The man could put up a hundred points and have 97 assists. <laughs> like <laughs> it, he could have a very good year simply because of who else is on the field with him. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Michael Sowers run away with the tackle of the year. I want to say Grant's going to repeat. And I, in my heart of hearts, think Grant is going to repeat. Um, so that is my official pick, but also a dark horse pick for the people at home. Uh, I'm going to say Ryan Brown. Y'all know. Y'all know if you listen to this show, Ryan Brown either scores one goal or he scores ten. That's how it goes. I think Ryan Brown is going to benefit from a lot of the new pieces on Water Dogs and has a real shot to win Attackman of the Year. But I think Grant is arguably best Attackman in the league, just top to bottom. It's him and Lyle. Um, But with Lyle and Cannons from our predictions not making the playoffs... I have Grant uh, taken home attackman of the year officially as my pick. Uh, so two repeats. Um, probably going to have a third <laughs> with this next one. Goalie of the year. Can you give me a dark horse? And, oh, yeah. And T for, for attackman of the year. It's not really dark horse, but I mean, if they have the year, I think they will have an eight and two. It's going to be very hard to argue that T wasn't a big part of that and doesn't deserve an attackman of the year award. So well, I'll slide him in there. Uh, goalie of the year. Uh, it's Blaze Reardon next. Next award. <laughs> yes, next. Thank you. Next. Shout out Ariana Grande. Uh, <laughs> face-off athlete of the year. Last year's winner, Trevor Baptiste. Uh, kind of a toss-up between him and TD last year. TD obviously got hurt, so that kind of you know took it away from TD. But who do you got winning face-off athlete of the year? TD, 100%. I think he was one of very few, if not the only face-off specialist we've seen in the Rookie of the Year competition. And, like, he was a finalist. He was top three. Like, people thought he had that much of an impact at the face-off stripe as a rookie to be considered Rookie of the Year. Like, that's huge. And like you said, I think he only didn't win it last year because he couldn't play that last game in those last few games. And, it, you know, it took away some of his wins, ground balls, face-off percentage, all that stuff um, from the stats. And Trevor Baptiste ended up taking over and all of that. So I think TD picks up right where he left off. Had a phenomenal year in NLL with Toronto. And, you know, he was a couple of face-offs and, and, you know, a couple goals away from not even being available for the first couple of weeks because he's played so well consistently. So I don't see him taking a step back at all. He's – he might go down as the best face-off man ever. He went from, you know, one knee moto grip to SNG like that and and mastered it in what seemed like a day. Like the unreal face-off guy. So much to learn from a guy like that. And he just gives the woods so much opportunity. The relaxation I saw the woods play having TD on, on the field because they – it's kind of like they knew the offense was getting the ball and it would be at least 52 seconds before a defense is playing again. It, that effect is, is something you can't take for granted. So TD a hundred percent with face off man of the year. 
you swayed me. I was going back and forth between three guys. Didn't want to have a, a fourth straight repeat because that's boring, but I think Trevor's going to be in the conversation. I really think Joe Nardella is going to be back in the conversation again this year. Um, I, I think, like, he had such a dominant championship series in 2020 that, like, it made last year look like such a, a complete disaster. He was still so fucking good last year for Whip Snakes. It was unbelievable. Um, but, yeah, TD being available from week one, I think it's going to be huge. Uh, so give me TD for face-off of the year. Hard Hat Award winner. Best SSDM. Danny Logan was your winner last year. Who do you got this year? Ty Warner. Uh, I think him coming back is huge. He's stepping into a role that possibly could be the reason why the Whip Saints didn't win a championship last year in all reality. Like they had pretty much everything locked up last year outside of a short stick D mid because we talked about them drafting one. They picked up Roman Buglisi. Like this could be a position where, you know, he takes over. I, I find now that whips short stick D mid to look very similar to archers. They have Treasy, they have Dominique, they have Mark. And I think that's what made it so hard for them to get a finalist in that, in that group is because they were so synonymous. You could pick any one of those three for archers and they would get the job done. That's what you're running into with the whips. But I think Ty Warner just has that extra little bit of just betterness, Adam. He, Ty Warner is one of the best short stick demons we've seen in the PLL, you know, since 2019. So I think he bounces back, has a huge year, and um, is it going to end up being hard hat? I'm going to go with one that probably people are sleeping on. Friend of the program. The boy from the beauties. Give me Ryan Terrafanko. I think I talked about him last year being like a dark horse for this award or one of the awards or something. I, I like Ryan Terrafanko a lot for the two-way ability he provides. He's very ferocious defensively, very tough, will force you to work for your shot. And then when they make the save, he's going to leak out and push and transition. And if you don't step up on him, he's going to shoot. And if you do, he's just going to dump it and they're going to score. So I, I love what Terrafanko brings to not only Chrome, but literally any team he could ever put a PLL jersey on for. And he's a guy that if it wasn't such a loaded rookie class last year, he's in the rookie of the year conversation. He was that good last year for Chrome um, on a team that won two games. So, I mean, that just speaks volumes of how good he was, how much of his presence was felt. And I think he's going to take another step forward this year with an improved Chrome roster uh, and take home that hard hat award. Sportsmanship award went to Eric Law last year. This one is uh, its obviously not exactly full-blown on the field, but it is, and it's a lot of off the field as well. Um, who do you have taken home the sportsmanship award? You know, I haven't thought too much about this one. But it might be a guy like Jules. I think Jules might win it this year. Um, he does a great job on the field, obviously. But he's also, I mean, 
he's one of those guys you hear on the sideline, a guy comes off after a bad shot or a turnover or something. He's like, you're good. You know, this was, this was there, that was there, but you know, just fix on the next one. You're good. Keep your head up. Next one. Uh, he's very positive, but he also does a lot in the, in the community, especially in Jersey, in the state of Jersey with, you know, black lacrosse allegiance and, uh, just helping helping out younger players, getting them into the game, uh, getting the diversity spread out throughout Jersey. And he just does a lot, not only for black lacrosse players, but just the sport of lacrosse in general. Um, I think his outside of playing work, outside of quote-unquote lacrosse work, will get a real shine this year, and that's what he'll end up winning uh, the Sportsmanship Award for. This one's so tough just because it is such a combination of so many different things. Um, sportsmanship Award. Man. You know, I am going to go with... It's so tough. Sportsmanship. I'm going to go John Rannigan. For a lot of just on field, I think he is one of the like biggest proponents of sportsmanship from every time I've been around him. Um, he's just such a super inviting person. He's, you know, he's a guy that I think just gives back in a lot of ways that aren't always seen. Um, so I'm going to say John Rannigan, big, big sportsmanship guy, always there, you know, at the end of game, shaking hands with, with guys across the board, win or lose. Um, so I'm going to say John Rannigan and kind of a dark horse uh, pick there for the Sportsmanship Award. The Teammate of the Year Award went to Jack Kelly last year. Total joke, but Dylan Ward after Matt DeLuca takes <laughs> You're so disrespectful. <laughs> it's a total joke. Oh, man. I haven't thought about this one literally yet. Oh, Austin Cop. I knew Austin you were going to go there. Cop. I was waiting for that. <laughs> he, I, I've talked about this a thousand and one times about him being literally the best backup goalie ever. Like, people don't understand that's literally a position, at least in my brain and my heart, that is a position that you have to train for, that you have to be good at. You have to know the game a lot. You're like an extension of the coaching staff on the bench as a backup goalie. You all you know that you're almost never going to play. So you have to bring the energy. You have to know the game. You have to be super positive. You have to be there to uplift. But you still got to be ready to go in the game. If you threw Austin Cotton in any game, he'd be ready. He'd make saves. 
He still can do it all. But he understands his role on the bench as the hype man, as that extension of the coaching staff, as that positivity guy, as that guy that's always ready to go. He just understands. And I think there's a real value in a teammate like that. Um, You know, Staggs talked about it with Phipps last year. Uh, Granted, Phipps had to step in and be starter last year because everything was going on with Burnler, but he talked about how he's an extension of the coaching staff and he knows so much about the game and, you know, and how Phipps has gone up to Staggs at certain moments and be like, hey, try this or, hey, did you see this? We may, you know, we need to adjust this. And having that extension there of a guy that knows so much about the game is very important, especially when he's positive and hype. I'm going to go with one that probably a lot of people aren't thinking. Uh, and I think it could pay dividends for this team to be successful. Justin Gutterding. I think he's going to step into this Whipsnake squad um, and just, you know, be the guy that is going to do what is, what's asked of him. And then, you know, when, you know, guys are back like Zed, he's going to be there you know, just stepping up for guys. He's, he's an extension of the coaching staff out there. Um, and I think Gutty's a, a big team guy. So give me Gutty to win teammate of the year. Um, Brody Merrill, LSM of the year. I'm going repeat winner. <laughs> uh, Mike Earhart just, I feel like he's going to win it until he retires. Um, he's just that good. Uh, so give me Earhart to uh, repeat as LSM of the year. I only have to agree because for some odd reason, he seems to be like, he seems to have to be on a upper echelon when it comes to defense. Mm-hmm. Like... <laughs> their, their defense... <laughs> That's staying in. <laughs> their defense is, is so just like concrete so like base like boom 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 their cover guys are their cover guys they play the same way all the time you know what to expect from them almost cookie cutter like whereas he has to like step up and really shut things down and be like yo like it seems like he has to be the best defenseman Mm -hmm. on the field for the whips in order for them to be good in games that they've lost he's had a down game and their defense suffered from it. Like, and I think that's the difference is Troy Ray can go out and be bad, quote unquote bad. You know, he can have a bad game, but chaos will still win because the rest of their defense is so fluent and will help him out. He's not necessarily having to be that good at the midfield. You know, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is the Web Snakes D is so good that it forces teams to run through the midfield. So if Earhart's on his game, he's taking their best midfield dodger away too. And now you're asking, you know, their fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth Dodger to go against your short sticks, who this year are going to be Roman Puglisi and Ty Warner. Hello. You know, so 
it's very different than a Troy Ray having to go out and he can kind of be eh because his team's going to help him or, mm-hmm. you know, John Sexton, Hugh Krantz, those kind of guys. These guys on other teams have some leeway to have a bad game, whereas him, a bad game means an L for the Whips. Midfielder of the year. Last year, went to Zach Courier. Very well-deserved. He's a dog. I already know where you're going with this one. <laughs> I think this one, least... this one's tough for me because I do want to go with what you're thinking and what probably should be my obvious answer. It's just so hard to say that because I got him coming up later on in the show. (laughs) Possibly. (laughs) He could possibly be coming up later in the show, or it's just like there's that. I like the idea of midfielder of the year going to an all around midfielder. The guy that I, that we're, you know, hinting at, is an offensive guy, doesn't play a lot of defense, doesn't have a lot of ground balls or cross turnovers. I think all of that matters. A guy like Connor Curse, or not Connor, sorry, um, the oldest Curse brother um, that's playing for the Whips. I think and maybe it is Connor. Yeah, it's Connor. Yeah, Connor. Collins, the goalie. Yeah. <laughs> Too many of C's and cursed, and I ain't got time for all that. <laughs> um, a guy like Connor, a guy like Reed Bowery, Zach Currier, um, Danny Logan, Roman Puglisi, like these guys who do both and actively play both sides of the ball are those guys that I believe deserve to be a midfielder of the year. But I will say Miles Jones for midfielder of the year because if he has the year he had last year, or something similar or better, you can't ignore that. 32 points to tie for second in the league as a midfielder on a team that has Rob Pinnell, Ryder, Gardzi, Jules, Henningberg, Matt Cavanaugh. I mean, I could keep going, but I don't think I have to. That says a lot in itself, especially when you're 6'5", 235, and run people over for fun. Like, soar through the air game one. To open the first goal of the year, 30 seconds in, man soaring through the crease. Like, and he didn't stop there. Like, he had an amazing year, amazing year last year. He bounces off of that and continues to do much of the same this year. I don't think you can deny him an award again. Uh, I'm going Zach Courier. <laughs> like you said, he's just the best two way all around midfielder, and what he does for that Water Dogs team. No other team has that, and they also added, you know, Reed Bowering, who's going to play an attack version of what Zach Courier does, which is just stupid. Um, he's just the best midfielder all around on the planet, so I'm going to go with Zach Courier to win back-to-back. Um, the leadership award went to the now-retired Kyle Harrison. Um, obviously, this was from, you know, his role with the Black Lacrosse Alliance and everything, um, helping form that, and you know, with the diversity and inclusion in the sport of lacrosse, along with Miles Jones, Jules, Pat Harbison, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, who do you have taking on the leadership award? 
if it's not, I'll go two here. Either either Eric Law or Scott Rattler. I think Eric Law wins it because if they go along the route that they've been continuing to go, guys who are helping lead their squad on the field but also leading something off, what Eric Law has been continuously doing in the Denver area for lacrosse has been phenomenal every year. He continues to build and build, so that obviously will play a part in it. And then he's going to be probably the lone – I shouldn't say lone veteran, but he's that veteran on Atlas that's like kind of like at the top. Like, hey, you need to carry me up the mountain, buddy, so I can show you how to drink from the water hole. You know, so – He's got that leadership role going both ways. And Scott Ratliff, I don't know really what he's doing off the field other than talking during Georgia Swarm games. Um, but and doing the, a fucking great job at it. <laughs> oh, a, a phenomenal job. But uh, on the field, I mean, it, there's no doubt that he has his handprints all over the Archer's offense. And just you can see some similarities – or not offense, but just in you know their entire game. You see some similarities in – uh, the role he had with the Atlanta Blaze and the role he has with the Archers now. Nothing has really changed. He's just taking his experience and uh, his expertise and giving it to the young guys and helping them flourish. So it's got to be one of those two, in my opinion. I had Eric Law, and since you gave two, I'm going to put Jules down uh, for the leadership award there. He's just been a leader on this Redwoods team since he got here. Um, and obviously everything he does with the Black Lacrosse Alliance, everything he's been doing with Juke Lab, um, he's a leader on and off the field, and he's somebody that any generation of lacrosse fan can look up to Jules and, and see what he's doing, and he's making a difference. So Eric Law was my first pick, and then I'm also going to go with Jules there. The Humanitarian Award went to Lyle Thompson last year. I'm also giving it to Lyle Thompson this year. And Lyle won it, obviously, for the people at home. Uh, everything that he was doing to raise awareness for the atrocities committed at the uh, native boarding schools and residential schools in North America. Um, and he's continuing to do that. Players will continue wearing the uh, the orange straps on their, their helmets this year. So I'm going to go with Lyle once again. I'll put Lyle as my backup. Um, that's just a safe bet. But I kind of like the idea of Romar. Um you know, they're kind of – they've been doing a lot with him recently. The league has uh, – TLN did some stuff with them. And just – I think they may be using him uh, – I shouldn't say using him, but just his story and, and the level of play he play uh, he plays at and the intensity he plays with could be a big, big breakthrough for uh, the Latino-American uh, – community to get more into lacrosse and feel like they have a, a space that they belong in because, you know, everyone does belong in lacrosse and should feel like they belong. So um, I think he may be able to get this award if he can take that story and keep pushing it the way he has and continue to make an impact off the field in terms of uh, diversity for the, the sport of lacrosse. Coach of the year last year went to front of the program, Andy Copeland leading the Water Dogs to that one seed uh, after having a one-in-three round robin and quick exit from the championship series. Who do you got winning Coach of the Year in 2022, Deej? Uh, Tim Sudan. 
thousand percent. I think uh, Chrome being able to bounce back and have a better year than they had last year, making it into the playoffs, um, and just how I think it's going to be more about how how he gets this team together, constructs them, figure out how to gel all the pieces together. Um, because what I've noticed about every PLL roster at this point is it's a moving game of puzzle pieces that continuously change in and out from week to week, day to day. One day you got this many guys, the next day you got this many guys, and you pull your pieces in and one day they fit, and the next day it seems like the hole moved and you got to grab a different piece that it actually fits. And um, Just to see the way that Tim Sudan is going to play around with this roster this year and get them into a competitive spot, get them into the playoff, I think is enough to, to win them coach of the year. Uh, I'm going Nat Saint Laurent. That was my other choice. It's 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 time. It's time for him to take home the award. This is the year. Uh, I have Redwoods getting the one seed this year, and if anything has been you know proven time and time again, if you get that one seed, it enhances your chances at getting Coach of the Year. Give me Coach Nat, uh, friend of the program. Roll fucking Woods. Let's go. MVP. Last year went to the guy, the homie Blaze Reardon, for obvious reasons. Talk to the people, DJ. Let them know who you got winning your MVP this year. You know, I think Grant, amen. Um, I think he has a very similar season to the season he had last year. Um, even though they don't finish first uh, in the league, I think just he – that offense is going to explode, and he's just going to continue to be the quarterback of it and eventually get to a point to where people are so overemphasized on his assisting ability that he begins to start to score a lot, and then they just play him straight up, and now he's literally having his will. Because it's like, okay, am I going to pass or am I going to shoot? You don't know what I'm going to do, so now I'm just going to have fun with you. Um, I think he's just in a position where he can walk. He's walking into a league that's his almost. Just the roster he's been put on with the skill he has. It's like watching LeBron James right before he went to uh, Miami. You know, those last few years at Cleveland, you could see LeBron begin to take the league over, and then he stepped into a team that was surrounded, where he was surrounded by talent, and he just completely took off. Grant Amen is very much in that same position, very much hitting arguably his prime of skill and has stepped onto a team that's loaded, and there's really no way of stopping it. I don't hate the pick. I would love to see the PLL MVP come home to Philadelphia. Um, love Grant. The only reason I'm not going to go Grant is because I think there's another guy on that team that will split votes with Grant, and his name is Tom Schreiber. Um, and for that reason, I'm going to go with your pre-pod pick. Miles Jones is going to win the MVP this year. Um, Nat St. Lorenz going to win Coach of the Year. Redwood's top of the table. You guys already know where I'm coming from. Uh, with the the prediction here, um, I think Miles last year had a fantastic season that was so underrated, and we talked about that a ton on this show. Um, 
and I think it's only going to continue with the additional pieces around this Redwood squad now. I think it's only going to elevate his game, and uh, Miles Jones will be your 2022 PLL MVP. Wow. I don't hate it. No, I don't hate it. Championship game prediction, and then we'll touch on the uh, the world lacrosse news to wrap up the show. I mean, I gave my prediction way back uh, at the end of last season. Whips Woods in Philly, full circle moment, Woods win. I, I'm sticking by it. Um, hmm. I'm going to say, and obviously our standings and everything don't reflect what everything could be, uh, I'm going to say the championship is going to be Water Dogs Redwoods in the final in Philly. And obviously, Redwoods are taking it home. I think uh, Water Dogs have insane talent on this team. They have depth that can help carry them, you know, through missing a Dylan Ward, through missing an Eli Gobrecht. Um, And I just think this is Redwoods' year to get it done. They beat the Water Dogs. And uh, they hoist the trophy back in Philly, where it all got started for, uh, you know, this true unfinished business uh, in the PLL. So give me Woods to win against the Water Dogs. DJ's got Woods to win against Whips. We're going to touch on the World Lacrosse ESPN contract real quick here. Uh, They sign a historic multi-year agreement with World Lacrosse ESPN does through 2023 246 games across three world lacrosse championship uh carried exclusively on espn platforms this will be the 2022 women's championship the 2022 men's u21 championship and the 2023 men's championship espn just continuing to monopolize lacrosse i think to have it as a one-stop shop is huge for just the fandom and just people getting eyes on the sport um, and it's gonna be massive. So, world across now on the worldwide leader. Yeah, and I think we're just inching closer to seeing, you know, those uh, stat archives and record archives, team archives, and stuff on ESPN that we see from, you know, NFL, NBA, and so all that other stuff. It makes it easier to start to keep track of lacrosse and start to get the average fan in. How do fans, you know, begin to learn a lot about Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson? They really just go back and look at stats. Most guys just go back and look at stats, look at records, look at who won the championship. They don't really go back and watch the film that's on YouTube for them to watch. And, yes, I know it's on YouTube because I watched it because I was an actual student of basketball at one point. But, you know, getting those archives is huge for the game. That's something that you know, even us can use in terms of seeing where guys fall and all time record uh, placement and, and that kind of stuff. And, um, and then we get into fantasy lacrosse. When you get those archives, then it's a lot easier to start to transfer over, you know, the rankings of players in fantasy and what, you know, how much, st- how, m- how many points things should be worth in your fantasy league. The more, 
ESPN has control of lacrosse, I think the sooner we see a lacrosse fantasy platform on their app. Big time, which is super exciting. Can't wait. Um, just more lacrosse on ESPN. That's huge. Uh, we'll wrap up with the NCAA tournament. Final fours are set, Deej. The men's bracket, Maryland versus Princeton, Cornell versus Rutgers, and then the women's championship side of things. It's North Carolina versus Northwestern and Maryland versus Agent Ocho, Charlotte North, and Boston College. Who you got winning this weekend? So I'll start with women's. I've been watching when I have some time. Most of the time I'm watching at work. Because I'm not really doing anything there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and they're always playing on ESPN during the day, which I dislike, but I also like because it gives me something to do at work. Mm-hmm. But also, why are women only playing during the day? Preach Put them it. on at night as well. Yep. Um, because, you know, I was talking to um, some players from my team. I was like, I'm one of few men who actually watches women's lacrosse and, like, I was, you know, I rattled off a few teams, Boston College, Florida, North Carolina, especially. I was like, North Carolina is gross. Shout out to Jamie Ortega. You know, they're North Carolina. Jamie Ortega and North Carolina are very much looking like the Logan Wisnowskis in Maryland of women's across. I tell you, I met Jamie last year on Long Island. Yes, you did. You talked to me about that. And they're just. We got to get her on this show. Yes, I'm so down for that. They are, they've separated themselves. They're two teams that are like, and until we lose, we are national champions. Mm-hmm. And pretty, that's pretty much what it is, is they are the national champion until they lose. But obviously, um, with the way that Colin Kirst has played in that, you can't count Rutgers out. Um, and then, you know, Boston College or Charlotte Ocha. So I'm going UNC – Boston College, I think UNC wins. Um, and then I'm going Maryland Rutgers, and I think Maryland wins. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think that's where it ends up going. It would be sick to see an all New Jersey final. Um, but I think Maryland, you know, they're just they're a wagon. North Carolina's a wagon, uh, and both one seeds are gonna end up taking home dubs. Um just as, you know the committees predicted but you know everybody hates the committees and i don't blame them because this year's men's tournament was uh bracketed pretty shitty but uh yeah everybody as a curse brother are you upset on monday at the national championship game if you lose on friday (laughs) or saturday on saturday you lose on saturday are you upset watching your brother play valid or are you just are you forgetting that for you know two hours literally two hours can you forget for two hours and just celebrate your brother and let him have his game or are you just upset thinking for two hours how much this should be you and your team like that would be my biggest thing and that i wish i could you know had had a chance to ask them or there's a, a possibility not too many people have talked about this i can't remember their last name but there's a chance for another brother matchup um in this in this tournament, if both Princeton and Cornell were to win on Saturday, there's a set of brothers that one plays on Princeton, one plays on Cornell. They play each other for the national championship. Do you celebrate your brother if he wins the national championship against you? Or are you just bitter? Like these are the kind of questions we need answers to. And and that's the kind of 
stuff the NCAA tournament offers you. You don't see too much of it out in the pros. It seems like brothers always end up on the same team once you once you get into the pros. So uh, I'm interested. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, depending on what we have going on this weekend, maybe we'll have like a Twitter Spaces or something talking NCAA tournament. So that's why you got to follow us on the Twitter machine. But everybody enjoy the NCAA tournament. Enjoy the final weekend of no PLL lacrosse. Uh, and enjoy San Diego versus Colorado in the Western Conference Finals of the NLL. Uh, we'll be back next week talking NLL Finals. DJ will be in studio, and we'll be getting ready for PLL Albany with a whole lot of stuff in store for you guys. So make sure you're following us on the socials at OTB Laxpod, Twitter and Instagram. Follow DJ on Twitter at SCS underscore next great. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. And subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. Hit the like button. Click the bell icon. Comment down below. All that good stuff. We just gave you guys a two hours of content. Come through for the boys. Support the show on the YouTube because uh, it really, really, really goes a long way for uh, us just growing the show and growing the network as a whole. Big thank you to our sponsors, Tomahawk Shades, Kenwood Beer, and Bino Board. Go to TomahawkShades.com. Use code USP for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com. Kenwood Beer. Use the Kenny Tracker at KenwoodBeer.com. To see who's got Kenwood beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. You gotta be 21 or older to do so. And of course, please drink responsibly. And Bino Board, use code Bino USP. That's B-I-N-H-O-U-S-P at BinoBoard.com for 10% off your order at BinoBoard.com. This has been episode number 223 of the allegedly award-nominated, honorably mentioned, and of course viewable on YouTube. Outside the Box Podcast, part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. For DJ, I'm KB. The next time we see you, we'll be in person and we'll be in Albany. But until then, we are signing off. Peace. Peace. Peace.